Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. I can keep singing. <laughs> but I'll try not to. This is the Fizzle Show, a weekly talk show for those who want to do great work, put a dent in the universe, and support ourselves doing something that we care about. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you actually care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co. It's a website where new and used entrepreneurs learn how to create, develop, and grow a personal business in the modern age. Membership costs about a dollar a day, but as a listener to the show, you can try your first five weeks for free on us when you go to Fizzle.co slash try five. In this episode, listen, Fizzler, uh, Emma Davies, member of our community, she has a successful and growing following on Instagram, and she's found a way to convert followers there into email subscribers. And so her recent success doing that, plus a slew of sentiment from experts claiming that blogging is dead once again, made her wonder if there really is a non-blog strategy for her content. On the show today, we dig way into this, adding some much-needed wisdom and some real personal experience to what is often too far a a black-and-white sort of question. It's a great conversation. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 146. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. And we're back! Wow, that wasn't a good one. I didn't do it. And we're back! (laughs) Oh, golly, I think we're back, boss. Oh, hey guys. Hey guys. Hey yo. Hey yo. Uh we had our our big planning week in Portland. The the year is planned. I think the next 4 or 5 years of our life are actually planned out. Yep. Um according to the uh the big the big things that we put together and hope to build. But uh that felt good. We got to hang out all in person. Steph, is there a particular meal that stands out to you when you're visiting here in Portland? Oh my gosh. The food is so good in Portland. I don't it know. Really is. Yeah. Um we had Chase. Unfortunately, this is one that you missed, but we had Corbett and Barrett, and I had some really good sushi, and uh, I've been thinking about that ever since. Actually, that is true. That was some real good sushi. It was serious bamboo bamboo sushi in Portland brought yep. brought basically one of the more memorable meals of of your trip here. That's fine. I wasn't there. It's probably why you thought about the food so much because I wasn't really <laughs> banter. Steph, you, you really entertaining we, us. We really hit some pretty serious restaurants. I almost forgot that we went to that sushi because it was so long ago. Oh my yeah. gosh, I know, and, we did and like I had 50 to. Others. Uh, I had to get weighed at my doctor yesterday, and I was not looking forward to that after a solid week of eating in Portland. I feel like get weighed would be like a good like tagline for like a whey protein supplement. Yeah. Hey, bro, get weighed. <laughs> like W-H-E-Y-E. Glad you're making yourself laugh on that one. Oh, brother. What a fun guy you are, Chase. Oh, the Barrett. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like tapping Barrett and nodding. <laughs> nodding. That's what we realized is that Barrett, every time he makes like a dad joke he kind of like really hams it up after he does a lot of eyebrows a lot of head Mm -hmm. nods and probably some shoulder taps listen when it's funny it's funny you know what i mean (laughs) i don't care who you are that's funny right there um okay so let's get into our topic for conversation today this is uh this is uh episode 146 if i remember correctly yeah i got that so your show notes and conversation about this are going to be at fizzleshow.co slash 146 and with that steph crowder rhymes with chowder Tell us what we're going to talk about. Okay, this is a really good one, I think. And I feel like this is a question that a lot of people have been asking. So hopefully we can have a great conversation about the pros and cons of either side that's being presented here. But this is a question that came from a fizzler named Emma. And the title of this thread was, Is Traditional Blogging Dead Again? What? So here's what Emma has to ask. And she also presents a pretty cool case study that I'll talk about here in a second. So... Emma says, I've heard a lot of beginning of the year podcasts saying that blogging is dead again. We should all forget the rule not to blog on rented ground, and we should now embrace the opportunities to reach our audience by posting natively on social media. So basically this concept of, you know, um, posting on sites like Medium or other like Facebook, social media, 
maybe in the past there's been some advice that says that's not a good place to post for various reasons. Emma has heard a lot of advice that says, no, forget that advice. It's time to start engaging more and doing more blogging on those platforms. So she says, no one apparently wants to click through and read our blog posts. They all want to stay on Instagram or Facebook or wherever wherever, and see what we have to say right there. So Emma runs an experiment, which I'll, ta- I'll talk about in just a second. And then she says, what do you think? I spend so much time on social anyway, and I resent the time that I spend crafting blog posts that nobody sees. Is anyone else ready to ditch their blog? What will I miss not having an RSS feed. I'd keep my URLs, but have them more as a landing page. I'm ready to meet my audience through my email list and on social. I think, unless you all persuade me that I'm reckless and will regret it. So the example that Emma provides is really interesting and we'll be uh, embedding this or linking this in the show notes, but she posts this beautiful picture. I think it's actually a video on Instagram Um, Looks like Emma does some photography work. Her handle on Instagram is at Emma Davies photo. And she just kind of presents some different tips for why this photo that she took works. She talks about lighting. She talks about viewpoint and background. And then she asks her audience a question for you. What do you think of getting photo photo tips in your Instagram? (coughs) Give a thumbs up if you like it and you want more or give a thumbs down. If no, thanks, you prefer to click through and read it on your blog. And if you look at the comments, there's just like a bunch of thumbs up of people saying, yes, I want more tips like this directly in my Instagram feed. So Emma has basically created this like mini blog post where she's talking about lighting, viewpoint, background, all of these photography fundamentals that she's educating her audience and her audience is consuming that directly in the Instagram app versus clicking through to a blog post, which is has Emma asking this question of whether it makes sense to even have a traditional blog at all. So that is what we're talking about today. I love it. Is blogging dead again? Well, it's salacious again. I hope not as not as salacious as uh, my first I in my first business, I I lost my wife and it was worth it or whatever that one was. That was crazy. That was a good episode. A lot of great feedback. Thanks for all your your wonderful, sweet thoughts on that mm-hmm. one. Um, uh, so there is a couple. Where do you want to jump in with this stuff? Where, where are you thinking of starting? Well, maybe I, I mentioned this briefly, but maybe we could. It probably warrants a little bit more explanation. Um, Emma mentions, you know, that we've heard this advice that blogging on rented ground, as she calls it, is not a good idea. Maybe yeah. we should start by talking about why that advice has been given sometimes by us in the first in the first place. Yeah. Uh, Corbett, I feel like old man Barr has to chime in on, on this one. Uh, do you want to do you want to answer or maybe give your your point of view on why not to blog on rented ground or rather why not to build your sort of your your internet presence solely on rented ground. Yeah, and I guess we should t- start out by just explaining what that means, blogging on rented ground. I think what she means by that is this idea of blogging on some platform that you don't own, uh, like Medium or LinkedIn or something like that, where they offer a blogging um, service, and you could certainly write on Medium, and you could write on Medium 100% of the time, but um, by blogging on rented ground, she means that you don't own that content, you don't own the experience, and you don't own your relationship with the reader. For the most part, the reader might know who you are, but their experience is, is primarily with the platform itself and with various people on that platform. And so um, the issue there is that you know Medium could change the rules eventually. Um, they don't allow you to customize the design or the experience so that it's hard to uh, sell something eventually or to convert people who are reading your site to um, email subscribers or something that might be able to take the relationship deeper. And um, it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy decision because you do see some fairly respectable bigger names in blogging. For example, uh, the guys from Basecamp used to be called thirty seven signals. They had a, a blog for ten years or so, which was really popular called Signal versus Noise. And just a few months ago, they decided to move the entire thing over to Medium because Medium now allows you to use custom domains uh, and to write on Medium, but to have the domain be whatever you want it to be. So it's interesting. Um, I actually recorded an episode about this myself entirely. Uh, It's about 15 minutes or so. And my conclusion was that you shouldn't actually move your blog to Medium. 
And um, that's backed up by some other people that you might uh, respect, like Rand Fishkin from Moz, who talks about the SEO and other implications of doing so. So that's really, I think, what she means by blogging on rented ground. Um, It's interesting that she brings that up first because a lot of her arguments in favor of using Medium or Facebook or something like that really will fall into that same rented ground trap, I think. But I guess that's something we can discuss at large after this. Okay, so I'm going to put in the show notes your episode 12, why you shouldn't move your blog to Medium uh, of the, the episode, which is uh, Lifestyle Business Weekly. In case you didn't know, Corbett does a, a, a weekly show of his own called Lifestyle Business Weekly. It's both a podcast and a YouTube version. It's still YouTube as well, Corbett? Or yeah, did you say you're taking some time Yeah, there's like of a, 10, a 10 episode season of YouTube. Uh, uh-huh. I'll continue to podcast for the next few months and then I'll do another season of YouTube. Okay, got it. And so I'll put that in the show notes as well as I think hopefully you, uh, as well as the Rand Fishkin bit about um, about why some some really intense SEO explanation about why not to move, which uh, is something that will will feature in our in our conversation here in a little bit. But this kind of, to kind of re re restate what you've said, this idea of rented ground is not new. Um, blogging on rented ground or, or interacting with a community on rent or rented ground or making your content and uh, principally on rented ground. Remember, Blogspot was a thing. WordPress.com is still a thing where you can have like chasereaves.wordpress.com. Um, th- there's also Medium where you're blogging at medium.com slash, you know, at chase underscore Reeves. There's, there's Instagram and uh, where you can be, you know, interacting with your customers principally on Instagram. Same thing with, with Pinterest. Same thing with Facebook. Um, I think Ello was a thing at some point. There's all sorts of places where you can principally be interacting with your people and principally be making your content. So the idea here is, um, is you're making your thing on a thing. You're making your stuff on a thing you don't own. All right. And, and the famous sort of, uh, I don't know, the sort of stories, painful stories here are those that happened on particularly on Facebook or something like that, where you're, you're used to creating something that reaches an audience. And then Facebook says, no, that's not going to reach as many people anymore unless you pay to reach those people. <laughs> this doesn't happen, I don't think, on, on personal accounts, but but it does happen on corporate, on company pages and stuff like that. And frankly, you don't control what Facebook shows in, in anybody's uh, news feed. Whereas on Medium... For example, you're following someone right now, and then you're going to get a notification that 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 person has written a new article. But that not necessarily that's not necessarily going to always work like that. So the problem with with principally creating your stuff at a at a thing you don't you don't fundamentally own is is that you kind of lose control of of the experience of of. You, you might not necessarily be able to reach those people 100% of the time in the future, depending on what the company does. Um, so that is that is built into this conversation. But what I also feel like is built into this conversation is the fact that, right, so all of that, I get it. Um, you know what? There's this great quote um, from... From actually, I'll, I'll wait on I'll wait on that. Emma, Emma has this great quote as she kind of reframes the question later on. Um, that I thought was good, but before I do that, I think what, what what gets to me what to me is at the heart of this is kind of this question of of two things. Okay, number one, this is a an insight or an impulse or some sort of feeling that an entrepreneur has, and oftentimes I don't know if we know whether or not to trust those. Do you know what I mean? Like like this is an interesting idea. Also, the the thing is, is it's kind of like there's a lot of people talking about it these days. But beyond the people, beyond the talking heads talking about this thing, what you have is your your sort of feel about whether or not this is a good thing to do. I, I just think this is a moment where that happens, and and it's very clear to see. Because for me personally, I'm very interested in the idea of like blogging on Medium uh, specifically as a way to sort of like. I don't know. It just feels like such a good conduit for those kind of conversations. Do you know what I mean? Does anybody else feel that kind of pull at all? 
I think so. I think, I mean, for me, Instagram is a great example. I follow a lot of influencers on Instagram who do this or have this micro blogging approach where you'll see like three or four actual paragraphs on Instagram. Yeah. um, That's like a moment of, you know, learning or inspiration or perspective. And I sometimes I'll read those if the picture is good or if I like that particular Instagrammer. And I think in the case of Instagram, which of course is what Emma is talking about here, Chase, you mentioned Facebook and how Facebook has changed their rules before. I have that in my mind too. And Instagram reminds me a little bit of where Facebook used to be, I think, in that it's kind of like the Wild West right now. There's not a lot of rules. Um, There's a lot of people playing a lot of games to get a lot of followers. It's pretty easy to get access to an audience. Uh, But what's interesting is we really don't know how that's going to change over time. Instagram could easily change their rules or any number of things. So while I think it's really interesting, I think that we'll probably see some changes to how people interact with the platform if past social media channels or any example of what's to come mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. Barrett, what were you going to say? Do you feel any sort of like pull towards using other channels or something like that? I do because they're fun and they're interesting. And I think especially being in the business that we're in, there's advantages to always experiencing all the things that people want to use and experience sure. you know, out there amongst our customers. But I do know that regardless of what new platforms come out, I will always continue to write on my own site and I'll always continue to write and create content for Fizzle Mm -hmm. because it's an asset. And what you're doing by building something on other people's platforms is you're building them an asset. Yeah, They get all the juice behind that and it ultimately goes into their platform. And their goal, just like our goal at Fizzle, is to get readers to come to the site, stay, experience things, subscribe to the podcast, stick around, maybe become a customer. The same thing applies to Twitter and Instagram and Medium and everywhere else. Their whole goal is to increase engagement of people who are going to those sites on that site. They want people to stay there and to check out other things and other users and prove that they can be valuable curators of information that's interesting to you. And that's not always to your advantage as the content creator on those platforms. And it's definitely not an asset you can count on in the future. So Yes, there's a ton of allure. It's interesting. It's fun. It's It kind of revives your energy for content creation a lot of times. And it feels good in the moment. And also, I think five years down the road, you're going to look back and you'll say, wow, I wish I had also been doing that on my site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something something about that, which which brings up... Um, so so first of all, let's, let's talk about some, some quick little brass tacks, right? Um, you're blogging on Instagram for, let's say, in Emma's example, it's not blogging, it's whatever. You're interacting heavily with your customers on Instagram and they just scroll and, and there's another picture from another person and yep. another picture from another person. Same thing with Facebook, same thing with, me, with Medium, same thing with all this stuff. There's a distraction that's built into it, right? That's just an element that is built into these things. Number one. Number two, uh, but, I, but, but I guess the argument against that is like, yeah, but it's the difference between someone seeing something from me and not seeing something from me. And that, that will come up, I think, in, in just a second, in a little bit, because I think that's a big, big deal. Um, uh, second of all, there's this question about copyright. You know what I mean? These are, again, just some brass tacks. Distraction is going to be a thing. Copyright is potentially going to be a thing. You know, there's, there's, there's talk about uh, whatever. There's ruffling going on under the, under the surface at, at Instagram about this because people are re, re-gramming things and it's kind of this weird sort of uh, mixed gray space area of, of like, is that okay? I'm not sure. You know, and some brands are getting upset and stuff like that. Um, in every in every rented ground and whatever whatever every platform that you p- choose, there's going to be so you should you should think about this copyright question. You know what I mean? Who's going to jail for what and and who owns what? Um, right. But uh, then let's see. I'm trying to think if I want to. Um, maybe we could we could talk about this 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 thing then, which which is interesting to me, right? Because the question that someone in the forums asked, I think maybe Emma said it this way, is. Who is your audience and where are they? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think this is this gets to the heart of the matter to me. Because there's shiny, there's shiny object syndrome, right? There's squirrel, and you're just like, I want to blog on medium now, because medium's cool. You know what I mean? All oh, the cool kids are doing it, man. Squirrel, I want to put a visco filter on my life and be on Instagram forever, right? <laughs> squirrel, new shiny things. And, and that is just like a distraction from like doing the real work of I gotta write something today that changes someone's life that's good, right? But the real question in this is, who is your audience and where are they? This is a question that all of us should ask as, as we're entrepreneurs trying to think through our things. Um, and I think that is a very, that, that, that's the honest 
the most honest way into this conversation to me and the most valuable part about it is is understanding that your audience like understanding this whatever this this question of who are they number one and where are they and i think something that emma talks about a lot in this thread in fact she's a photographer teaching some photography tips that makes a lot of sense on instagram right that's built into the to the modality there um, whereas there might not be so, there might not be other places where that makes as much sense or mm-hmm. other niches where that makes as much sense. But I don't know, as someone, as someone who's co- concerned with design and, and, and experience, but, but really principally concerned with the experience of the, of interacting with people, of creating a relationship over the long haul as a content creator, this is a big, this is a big draw for me. The fact that I can, what are you going to say? Well, it's, I'm, also, just going to say, like, that does not preclude her from also doing the same thing on her own site. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a, a million, and maybe this is where we're headed, so I don't want to jump the gun on this, but there's a million ways to repurpose content or to use the same content to also build yourself an asset while yeah. you're building that audience over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I just want people to always keep that in mind that so often this question comes up and it's like, is it dead? Should I stop today? And the answer is probably not as black and white as you'd like it to be. It's not like, I'll just go all in on Instagram or screw Instagram, go all in on your blog. It's probably something in the middle of use both. Yeah. And this is a case of that, I think, where there are a lot of interesting ways where you can take that same material. Maybe Instagram is kind of your vetting ground for your best stuff and you post everything there and you tell a story around it. And then the end of every week, you post your best photos in one roundup blog post or whatever. There's a lot of ways to go about it without going all in on either one. Yeah, I thought just to add on to that, there was a really interesting response in the comments of this forum thread from Manuel, who says, so regarding the Instagram post, what is the worth of a like or a heart or a share or whatever you want to call it, depending on the platform? Uh, So what's the worth of a like versus getting people to click through to your site? To me, Mm -hmm. 60 plus likes might not be worth anything if the content does not result in more brand awareness or new email subscribers. So I thought that was a great point. To me, it almost says likes are really gratifying. Retweets are gratifying. Having people click the heart button on Twitter or whatever the case may be. But what does that really mean? I think that sometimes we get um, satisfaction from that, but it's not necessarily translating totally. into sales or readership or anything like that. So that, that yep. to me was a really important question to consider. Yeah, I think that's a really, that's a big deal because a lot of us, you know, shiny, shiny feels good. Do- dopamine, dopamine, look at someone liked my thing. Someone liked my thing, exposure, exposure, all of it, vanity, all of it, none of it matters. Right. But, but, Here's the results from Emma Davies' experiment. So it turns out she's been running this experiment, doing, I think, things kind of like this more often in Instagram. Okay, here's how she says. Since I started this experiment, I've, done, I've gone from 1,000 email subscribers, which took her 11 months to get to, to 2,050 subscribers in four weeks. That's 37 a day compared to three a day. I'm concluding that my audience... It will be different for people. For it'll be different for other audiences. I'm sure. Um, likes to stay where they are on social, not click out to my site. So somehow, what what she's done is she. Uh, and actually, I want to. I'll, I'll find that in this the exact wording in the thread here um, because I thought it was creative and something that we should we should talk more about is like how do we. So say we are playing in social. What are the creative, interesting ways of getting people back to our site? And more importantly, into the email list because they're like, what you do is valuable. I want to know about the things that you make. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's, there's still, no matter what, we're talking about social, we're talking about medium, we're talking about Facebook, we're talking about Instagram. But there's, we all know that there's, if you don't know, you need to know, there's no more valuable way of communication than, than an inbox, being in someone's inbox. If you don't know, now you know, friends. <laughs> Whoa. I will be damned. I didn't know. I didn't know that's how it went. That is how it goes. Okay. So I'm going to try to find that here uh, in a second, but, uh, th- meaning her exact her exact wording. What were you gonna say? Bear? But the point is, like, you, you don't get paid on Instagram. Period. It just can't. It's literally not possible to happen. You cannot make money from a person on the Instagram platform. And so, my biggest question here, and uh, it sounds like there might be a challenge to that, but there's there's a little bit of a challenge. But okay. Go ahead. So my my point is, there's no buy button. It's like you have to click through somewhere to make money from it unless you're literally saying like pick up the phone and call me and that's still a conversion. That's still a next action. 
And so there's always going to be a next action on this kind of platform. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, Steph, what was the, what, what were you bristling about there? Well, just because there are some people out there who might use this or it might be valuable for certain people out there to know about this, there is a service that a lot of people are starting to use, particularly fashion bloggers called Like to Know It. I think it's like to know dot it is the website. Uh-huh. And it's really interesting. It syncs. I don't know exactly how it works. I don't use it. I am far from a, fla- a fashion blogger myself. But if someone that's clicked, debatable, I've seen how you <laughs> I've seen how you dress. That's debatable. Well, you know, but if someone clicks like on your photo, they get if they're signed up for like to know it, they get all of the uh, items that you're wearing sent to their email inbox and you can shop directly from your inbox and then you get credit or affiliate sales. So I know for fashion bloggers in particular, that's actually a really big source of income. But to Barrett's point, there is still an action. You have to click like and then they have to shop in inbox. So it is a little bit of a complicated thing, but there is a next action that has to happen. Um, however, it's just it goes back to the point that we already made that what Chase said before, where is your audience? If you are a fashion blogger and you really are trying to get your affiliate sales off the ground, then yes, Instagram makes total sense. Like to know it makes total sense. It completely depends on what your goals are for your for your archetype and for your business model. Yeah, I found like to know it. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, and I found the the this is like what someone asked like, whoa, you're getting people on your email list from Instagram. How's that happening? And Emma said, well, what I do is I end the whatever post with a quote like this. If you want to know more information about hashtag a year with my camera, a free online photography workshop, click the link in my profile yep. at Emma Davies Pro uh, Emma Davies Photo. So here's a great example of, and this is where where um, where I think is the most interesting thing about this. Okay, because we know that there are people in Instagram, in Twitter, in Facebook, in whatever, in Pinterest, in Medium, in all of these places, and we know that we would prefer them to be only interacting with us in an experience that we control, um, not distracted by other people's content and not and fully ready to like and fully trusting us. You know what I mean? And fully capable of uh, uh, we can totally control the experience. They can click the button. They can buy the stuff. We would love that. That's the perfect world. That's the pre- preference. Right. Um, but what Emma's done here is she found a really killer way of making it an enticing thing to go back to her site to find out about a free online photography workshop, hashtag a year with my camera. I mean, I love that. I was looking for examples of this and I couldn't even find one better than the one that she is already doing because it's just, it's simple. It sounds interesting. It is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, get get my free, get my free download on the 10 things that are going to totally change the way you live forever. You know, it's like, I already don't believe you. I already don't believe you. But if you go like, listen, it's if you want more information about hashtag year with my camera, a free online photography workshop, workshop, click the link in my profile. Like I'm I'm on a I'm following an Instagram feed that's giving me tips about taking photos. I'm going to be interested in a free online photography workshop. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's it's awesome. It's this kind of stuff uh, that that I think is the creativity in business that can provide some of the connection back to the real thing. So she could literally be doing all of her content in Instagram and getting all of the engaged people into, into something that's really valuable to them that she created. That's where the relationship is then built, right? In terms of off, off the platform. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's awesome. Um, but I think there's one there's one hitch in this thing that I do want to talk about, and that is <clears throat> that is the role of SEO here, search engine optimization. Um, there's a, speaking of, of blogging is dead. There was one of the one of the fizzlers re- uh, quoted Mark Twain. She said, uh, "Reports of my death are greatly exaggerated." And she attributed the quote to blogging. <laughs> Reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. The true can be said of SEO. Uh, or the same can be said of SEO that like, you know, there's always like SEO's dead. No, SEO's alive. Now it's just more about social. No, now it's engagement. Now it's time on site. Now it's just that and the other. It's always changing. Google's always messing with things and, uh, and they will always be. But there, I mean, a vast majority of our traffic is from search engine results, right? People searching for very specific things uh, like USP, unique selling proposition, which by the way, I'm going to put this in the show notes. I don't know if I told you guys that we have a brand new USP guide that is the USP, P, I don't know, USPist thing. 
And and the, it's the it's the U.S. penis. I don't know. I was looking for sorry, something. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I smell <laughs> toast. Um, it's it, it's a brand new guide. Twenty killer example. Twenty examples of killer unique selling propositions in a little PDF guide that I designed all in Keynote, which you'll you'll probably look at it and go like, this is not made in Keynote. And it's totally made in Keynote. I'm one, I'm gonna do a course on how Dude, to do it's that. It's so soon. made in Keynote. It's so made in Keynote. But anyways, if you don't know it, that that's available. You can check the link in my profile. Hashtag a year with my <laughs> with Keynote. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to learn from Emma. I want to have her teach me some stuff. Um, uh, but there there is there. This is something that Rand Fishkin gets into. He's the he's the sort of one of the big big gurus at at Moz. And he gets into the importance of of these kinds of of, of specifically blogging on Medium at, and SEO. And to be honest, I watched the whole video and I, I don't really remember any of it. I don't know if any of it really made a lot of sense to me. But I do know that for us, this is a valuable thing. If the fact that we've written a, a handful of great articles on unique selling propositions and that Google consistently sends people to us. Google says, like, listen, this is a really good article on this topic and you searched for it. So try this. This is probably going to answer your questions. Um, and that's what Google's in this for, is to answer your questions, then pre obviously present a bunch of advertisements in between there, here and there. Um, but that is a really big source of traffic for us. And it's one that I don't really know how to, how to navigate in this. In the same way that I'm sure Google, or I'm sorry, sorry, in the same way that I'm sure you know Instagram is a really big source of traffic for Emma or for or for others, right? And we don't have any traffic for from Instagram. We have literally none, right? Except for maybe like one a month because we have one Team Fizzle uh, Instagram account, and we're not really we we're just kind of like whenever we think about it, we'll throw something up. We mostly just mention it in our own personal things. someday yeah. someday we're just gonna like hire a team of. Uh, 18 interns and they're each going to manage yeah. the social media channel yeah. for they're just, oh my Visco, Visco my life. Yeah, exactly. Fade that stuff. My life, dog. Bump, bump the highlights. So live your life. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not to. I was so delayed. Uh, I was trying so hard not to. What did to. she say? We're steady rocking the bedrock? So live your life? That's what I got. That's, that's what I'm going with. I don't know if that's We're steady it. rocking the bedrock. I'm like... I think I'm in. I think I'm in uh, Flintstonesville, Bedrock. You know, I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't know what it is, but I don't yeah. think it's that. Doesn't sound right, dear, dear listeners. It, it, I have a humble plea, humble request that you would please look on the internet where I don't have access to currently. Wait, 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 you, wait, wait, wait. I think it's. I think it just it just hit me. I think it's so. Live your life. That's what it definitely what it is. <laughs> Wait, oh, he goes. So live your life. Yeah. Hey, boom. <laughs> so oh, rocking the bedrock. Okay, yeah. Okay. That that's that part. That's that part. Mm. Uh, by the way, you guys should know, Steph. I saw this in your in your Twitter uh, handle. By the way, in your Twitter bio, because I added it to our site today. Um, that uh, you, it, what does it say at the end of it? Like angular dancing or something aggressive. like that. Aggressive, aggressive when dancing. Very aggressive true. when dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, this is so true about Amazing. Steph. Amazing. Yeah, very aggressive. I, I, I love it. I can't be stopped. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Corbett, you've been pretty quiet over there. What, what do you What are you feeling about this conversation? Because I know it's something that you have a lot of feelings about. Lots of feelings. <clears throat> Actually, you're, you're probably like, I, I don't know why you'd bring up feelings. Feelings don't play a part in this. I know exactly what the right answer is. Yeah, that's very unspock-like. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, I don't know. A, a few things. So you know, do you have to blog? Absolutely not. We know a lot of people who just podcast today and that works really well. There are mm -hmm. a handful of people who mostly Instagram and do quite well with it. Big things can come about from Instagramming. I don't know if the, I'm sure that the same is true on Pinterest. And I think, you know, on some platforms like that, you can sell directly. So it can all be fine. And and if you like doing this more, then do that. The, the things that I think you miss by dedicating yourself to just one platform like Instagram are not only the search functionality, which is not something to be overlooked, right? You you can't go to a site and type in, you know, viewpoint and then find all of Emma Davies' posts about viewpoint or background or light or yeah. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so in a lot of ways, these Instagram photos are kind of one and done. You post it and then people see it in their feed. And if they don't see it in their feed, they you know, there's a chance they're going to they're gonna click through on your profile and scroll through, 
but then they're just going to be clicking on things based on the little image. They don't get any context. They don't see any of your your comment there yeah. um, to determine if if that's the thing that they were looking for. So, you know, um, God forbid they found some post of yours that they really liked and then they forgot about it. And then a couple of weeks later, they just can't find it anymore because there's no way to search for it. Mm. So that that's kind of a big deal for me if, if you are trying to teach something over the long term. The other thing is um, the SEO aspect to us means that you work on something, you publish it once, you get this big spike and this adrenaline and, you know, all these likes or whatever you want to call it, comments, attention in the first week when something's published, just like you would with Instagram. With your own content, though, on a blog, you then get this constant trickle of people finding it in some other way, usually through search. And that happens for a very long time. And some posts actually increase in attention over time to the point where you have thousands or tens of thousands of people viewing a single post that may have been written a year or two years ago. And with Instagram, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to have some post that you wrote three years ago, um, you know, gain all this attention over time, unless maybe you're a celebrity and it's posted on a bunch of websites or something. So, so those to me are really big concerns. But again, you know, this, this, I hate these kind of answer these questions because they make it like Barrett said earlier, black or white thing, either blogging is dead or it's not the The landscape has changed a lot in 10 years. And so there are legitimate reasons for someone like Emma just to choose Instagram. And that's, that's a totally reasonable choice yeah. if yeah. she's able to convert people. And I'm really glad that later Emma brings some stuff up. She says here, um, <clears throat> so somebody Somebody brought up the idea that, okay, you know, like you said, what's a what's an email subscriber worth versus an Instagram like? And she says, likes aren't the goal. The goal for me is for people to sign up to my list, which they have been doing in droves. It's kind of just like cutting out the middleman. Instead of social to blog to subscribe, it's now yeah. just social to subscribe. So mm-hmm. that to me is really interesting. And she said she's now getting 37 email subscribers a day, which is fantastic. Um, and so maybe she's figured out a strategy to make this work. I think the problem is a lot of people feel like they're making progress because they have a lot of followers on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then it doesn't really amount to much, especially when you have to go to sell something. And this is something we were just talking about uh, over the weekend or last week when you guys were over here for dinner. I was lamenting about how unenjoyable certain things uh, like my Instagram feed have become because there's a bunch of marketing and and garbage in there. And every time I open it up, I feel like crappy because it's like one upsmanship over who can sell more of something on Instagram. And and then it dawned on me, you guys brought up like, well, you know, you can unfollow those people, right? (laughs) Why don't you just follow this like dog that goes to cabins? It's an awesome account. And we started, we looked at it for for a while. It's just a dog in cabins. Exactly. And so- (laughs) So I love Cabin the- <laughs> Dog. What was the name of that one, Steph? It's uh, at this wild idea. This wild idea. And mm. it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did that. I, I just uh, went through my feed and unsubscribed from everybody who was like blatantly promoting something. And now I can breathe and it feels a lot better. And I just, I think that um, you have to be careful about some platforms like this. It can be kind of hard to promote things depending on how you do it. Um, or you might be able to promote, but you're going to end up with kind of a bottom of the barrel sort of following um, because the people who have taste and and better use of their time are going to end up unfollowing you because you're promoting so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So what's so, this? Go ahead. Whoa! So, everyone said so all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Steph, you Steph, you go. I insist. Okay. I just have another just to, to Corbett's point that what I'm hearing Corbett say that I think is so helpful is that you if you are going to use some, I'm just using Instagram as an example. I personally really like Instagram, so that's probably why. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that you you need to have a strategy and you can have the two pieces work together. It's like both Instagram and your blog or your email list can fit into your overall content strategy, just like we were talking about with Emma's example of pointing people to her free guide. So I just wanted to give people another example of an account that I think is doing this really well, just in case we have listeners who are trying to implement this. So the account at Simple Green Smoothies, so Jen and Jada of um, Simple Green Smoothies Mm -hmm. have a a great website. Um, They do something really cool and very similar. They 
post a lot of recipes for green smoothies. They actually post the entire recipe in the body of their caption and they, you know, beautiful pictures of the smoothies that they make. But then if you click on their profile, it describes them and it tells, you know, what they're about. It says we're celebrating life with one green smoothie at a time, free 30 day challenge. And there's a link to simplegreensmoothies.com slash 30 day dash challenge. So this is another great example, right? If you happen to see this beautiful picture of a, of a smoothie and you're wanting to do a 30 day smoothie challenge, you can actually click straight through in this profile and get the 30 day challenge to your email inbox. So I just think this is another great example of how the two are working together. They haven't chosen between social and blogging, but they've made mm. the two work together. And I just think that that's such a great strategy when you can figure out how to how to hit it just right. Mm. Yeah. Let's, Barrett, let's, what, what, or Corbett, what were you going to say? Um, let, let's also not overlook the content and the craft that goes behind being either a good blogger or a good Instagrammer. It, mm -hmm. yeah. It's not going to be a question of one versus the other because the two are just radically different art forms. And you're going to have to spend time really learning how to navigate and become good on either mm -hmm. of those. If you look at Simple Green Smoothies, just look at each of these photos and how well crafted yeah, they are. They've, they've taken so much time. I mean, they've posted 2,500 times, and each one is like this gorgeous work of art with beautiful fruits and vegetables in it. Um, and so, obviously, they've, they've taken a lot of pride in that, and they've probably gotten a lot better if you went and looked at their older stuff. So, for someone to expect to be a really great blogger and a great Instagrammer is probably, it's probably not that likely. And if you find someone who has a big following on both, it, it's probably because they gained a big following on one and then transferred that to the other. We see this a lot of times with people who have really popular blogs and then they have an Instagram account that does pretty well. Um, but ends up kind of hitting a ceiling because they're not growing their, their following organically through Instagram. It's just people who who are finding them who already know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. Let me let me read now the, her reframe. this Because I think this is really interesting. Uh, about halfway through the thread, there was a bunch of great conversation on this. And then, and, and Emma, you were doing such a good job of like actually, I don't know, uh, kind of, what's that word going? Moderating the conversation. And eventually she she kind of reframes it. She says, actually, maybe my question is really this. Yes, you can spend all your time posting regularly, using keywords, building relationships and backlinks, driving traffic via social. But meanwhile, your competitor is spending their time quietly posting content and engaging with the same audience natively on social media and building a better relationship quicker. Given you both have, let's say, three hours a day, where would you be wisest to invest that time in 2016, like this year, it's a genuine question. I've got an open mind. I'm interested to know if the old model still works, given Mark Schaefer, Mike Seltzer, et cetera, are, stay, are saying it doesn't. And I think one of the other things that was brought up is like, don't get me wrong, existing behemoth, big, successful blogs are still being successful, right? Well, yeah. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. But the question is that she's asking is like, what about the new kids? We're just getting started let me, today. Let me give you yeah, an exact in. counterpoint to that. So... Uh, I've been corresponding with uh, a gentleman named Tim who's been a reader for a long time, and uh, he had been blogging for a while, and he had something really unexpected happen. He wrote a blog post, and it absolutely exploded. Um, I think we yeah. might have talked about this a couple of months ago, and he just followed up with me to say that he has um, he's changed course, and he's now focused entirely on his writing because of this experience that he had from one single blog post. And I, and I mm. ask you to question whether or not a single Instagram post could ever have this kind of impact. Yeah. He said that the journey with, and the uh, blog post was called, Everything Doesn't Happen for a Reason. And this really struck a chord in people, and it was shared, um, last time I looked, 600,000 times on Facebook. And that resulted in, in, in uh, millions of people coming to his blog. He said, the journey with this post has resulted in dozens of work requests, including literary representation. I'm currently working on a book proposal, thousands of new subscribers and more. It's been surreal and it's not an exaggeration to say that several million people have read my work in the past few months. I know wow. that almost no writers will ever experience something like this, so I'm quite honored. Traffic to my site has remained robust as well, which I didn't really know would happen. I just committed to keep writing the best possible work, and it's paid off very well thus far. Um, obviously, traffic has slowed. I know that was inevitable, but it's fallen to a consistent pattern, and I'm getting thousands of visitors a day. I'm determined to keep serving this audience well and grow with intention. So it's, it's just there are things that can happen with blogging still, yeah, because 
that one post that's on your site can be shared not just on Instagram, but it can be shared on Facebook and LinkedIn and on other people's blogs and all kinds of places. And yes, you can embed an Instagram post, but um, it's the the way that a blog post can resonate with someone can make it stand out from every other blog post that week or that month or whatever. And mm. it's just yeah. unlikely that a single photo, just because of the nature of how photos work, it's they are hard to differentiate from one another in this kind of way. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. what you're, you're, you make up a, a great point about like there is something unique to each one of these things. And they're like, I mean, obviously you're not saying like be a blogger because one time, you, some at some point, er, this happens to everybody, you're going to get a total viral point uh, post and then your business will take off. But, right? but, but it does happen to everybody who blogs for a period of time. Otherwise, they end, I mean, that's in the origin story of every successful blogger is I wrote this one post or there are these five posts that I wrote that put me on the map. Um, and I, I suppose that happens with Instagram, but I think with Instagram more, what happens is a, just a slow, steady, you put something out, you try to improve on it yeah. and you gain, yeah. you know, 10 likes more the next time you post, you don't have one single thing that really explodes. Now, potentially mm-hmm. the most important thing about this conversation to me is this in the stories that we've basically all the stories that we've talked about, all the examples there's been a very specific, there's been a, a usefulness to the thing. Do you understand? Like Emma has this great uh, photo and she says in her Instagram post that, that, she, that she included there that I'll put in the show notes, she's like talking in the description, like why does this photo work? And she gives very specific tips about why this works. And then you keep reading it and you see like, if you want to learn more about my 30-day free online photo photography workshop, check the link in the photo and the profile, right? It's this, it's this felt need that I have to become a better photographer that made me find you your piece of content in the first place, which then made your call to action seem so like useful to me right? Same thing with everything doesn't happen for a reason. It's uh, it's this site from Tim Lawrence, the adversity within shining light in dark places. It's a kind of, uh, it's kind of thinking about uh, representing this, this uh, solving a problem. It, it, it can be as emotional and kind of, I don't know, ooey gooey as this, as this was and still really hit home, still really feel like this is useful. I need more of this in my life. Simple green smoothies, you know, I love the way that they talk about their thing that they're about. They're not about smoothies. They're about celebrating life, right? We're celebrating life with one green smoothie a day, right? Uh, and then you can, the 30-day challenge is not just about smoothies. It's about a better life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's the things that we represent. It's the identity that's identifying the real usefulness that we can provide. And then it's a matter of, well, how am I helping people with this thing? How am I, where are, who is my audience and where are they? How do I find them? How do I get this message in front of them in a way that makes sense, that resonates, that more than makes sense, that resonates, that actually tinges uh, and, and, and pulls the emotions and the heartstrings and does the things that we all want our content to do. That's what I love is at the heart of this conversation, Corbett, and you, and you said it when you're like, let's not forget the artistry that goes into actually making one of these great pieces of content that gets shared a bunch or that, uh, or, or, or that creates a relationship with a, a someone who's willing to click the follow button, right? So when we say we can't make money from uh, from Instagram, well, you can't make money from blogging either. You make money from a relationship with a group of people, right? It's just, it's just how many things are in between you and them and them being able to buy a thing that solves a problem that you've made. You've made a thing that solves their problem. How many steps do they have to take to get to that thing? That's always going to be, you know, ebbing and flowing. And, and I think business and, and culture were always going to be, I don't know, uh, experimenting with new ways to do this. This is a great question and a great time for this question, I think. Right. That's why it's so, so exciting is I love that Emma's asking this question saying, listen, people are saying that blogging is dead. We've heard that before. We know that's BS, but I'm doing an experiment and it's blowing and it's really, really like it's changed the way I'm looking at my business. Now I have more results from not blogging than I had from blogging. Yep. Right? And and so And that's and not that's that it, impossible to argue with. 
right? Yeah. That is literally impossible for us to argue against doing. She should, as we always say, find what works and then and then just ride that pony over and over again, right? Until it won't ride anymore. <laughs> Wait, is, is, I'm sorry. Is that is that genuine? Yeah, it's, to, quote, gen, to quote a genuine <laughs> song. Um, and she's and she's doing exactly what what uh, what she should be doing. I think the the divisiveness of this topic and and the way that you see people reacting to it in the fizzle forums is mm. purely because of how it's titled and right. and and that's to say that blogging is dead is always going to get a reaction from people because it's not dead it's strong i i agree maybe there are different opportunities now with blogging than there used to be but mm. to say that it's dead is just it's it, it is not dead um and and so i think some people get um upset about that because because they spend time doing it and because they know it works for them and they know how valuable it is for them. Now if if Emma had said I found this magic way to use Instagram and I'm getting tons of followers uh and email subscribers then people in Fizzle wouldn't be arguing with her they would instead be doing this experiment for themselves yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. And you know it just reminds me of the fact that you know when I was a kid I used to spend a lot of time in skating rings, right? Mm. You know, it was like you're dancing with your lady. You got some roller skates on, right? Mm-hmm. But I haven't been to a, I haven't been to a skating rink, and I don't know how long. That doesn't mean skating's dead. You know that lives in my heart. Corbin, oh, I yeah. get a little bit at what you're saying because I know you just rollerbladed over my house the other day. <laughs> you know, so it's alive and well in your heart. You're hitting me right where it counts. <laughs> I hope I'm. I hope I have a gentle touch because that's that's my intention. You know, Barry, you look like ruminatory, like thinking about like I don't know. What are you thinking? No, I mean, I think that this is like a, a valuable conversation. I, I'm really glad it happened inside of Fizzle. Mm-hmm. And the two questions that come to mind for me at the end of the day are, is what you're doing now producing results for your business? And by results, I mean, is it getting you closer to earning your minimum viable income? Yeah. As in, can the methods you're using right now get you closer to quitting your job if you want to, earning a living, taking care of your family, all the things that at the end of the day have to happen for your business to continue to survive. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if it is great, keep doing it. If not, maybe try something else or just keep going until you feel like you've reached the end of the road. And the second question is, what happens if the method you're using right now stops working? Mm-hmm. What's your backup plan? Yeah. And if you don't have a backup plan, I think you're in a precarious position. And even if that might be the most, the quickest way to get what you're after right now in 2016, yeah. it might be the fastest way to have a failing business in 2017 or beyond. Mm. And that's a pretty scary thought for me because we don't teach people how to be in it for the next 12 months. We teach people how to be in it for the next five and seven and 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's my concern with going all in on a platform that might not be there yeah. over that time frame. Yeah, that's that's true. There's certainly an all in over the long haul factor here that is, questionable about literally anything you don't own and it is not questionable about your own blog right the only thing that's questionable about your own blog is whether or not you've got the the sort of i don't know the the lead and the pencil to really keep doing it in five years right mm-hmm. to still be doing it but you can't i mean that's not the, the elephant in the room here is that instagram is one we keep talking about and they're owned by facebook right facebook right. just changes things on you as a producer of content, right? Like you don't get to make those decisions and eventually it's so big that it, it goes like, well, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that, that we have to, that, we have to remember that. that, you know, that, that, um, argument, I think it's, it's a lot like if you worked in a, uh, a, a hedge fund or something and you had some new trader who was like, Oh my God, I found this amazing mm. way to trade that like never loses. And then you have the old timers going, yeah, well that's because you haven't been through a horrific yeah. period of losses before. before. Yeah, just because yeah, they so haven't to, been around long enough, and so once somebody experienced that on some sort of social media platform, they understand how important it is to own your own work. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. That's something that that I know I have experienced, and um, and I, and you, there's just so many horror stories, right? But here's what I love about it: is the principles of conversion still apply to the story? Yeah, she's attracting an audience. She's creating content that resonates with them. She's uh, providing a call to action, which takes them from one platform to her own. She's converting them to email subscribers. And then presumably she's nurturing them as potential customers once they're on that email list. Yeah. And eventually, you know, some of them become paying customers of hers. That funnel, marketing funnel, yeah. has always existed, will always exist. That 
process of getting people to become your customer is sound. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe the answer to what's your backup plan is I'm going to go all in on my email list, mm. on the people that are there, because if I nurture them and take care of them and build trust with them, even if Instagram goes away tomorrow, I still have that number of people. Yeah. And then I can start building up a following on wherever else is the next thing to mm -hmm. rebuild my funnel. And that's what's so exciting to me about this conversation because it really just is, I mean, it, people think we're, this is a conversation about Instagram and Medium and, and Pinterest and Facebook. If you think that's what this conversation is about, you're wrong. The conversation is really about making good stuff for people making mm -hmm. stuff that solves problems being valuable whatever you gotta be more valuable <laughs> <laughs> as corvette loves to jim Rohn at us um but <laughs> at us but, but there it is like th i just love the simple human value of a digital an online uh photography workshop a free online photography workshop hashtag my year with a, a year with my camera right like i'm intrigued i think it's interesting and you can create something like that for your business or you can get closer to your customer's real struggle mm -hmm. to find out what would make what would be a similarly compelling thing for them and that's what's so interesting to me because i think it's not about it's not about whether or not to use these things it's not about changing your whole your whole structure the way it is about going like all right who's my audience where are they um, and what, before that, actually, who is my audience? What do they really struggle with? Uh, what, what, um, what, what would be super enticing to them? What would be super valuable for them? And now where are they and how do I get this in front of them in a super, uh, exciting way? I don't know. That's what I think about Steph. What, what are your closing remarks here? You know, just to piggyback on that, actually, I, what I love from Emma's post that I just want to highlight is this theme of experimentation. You know, she mentions that she ran an experiment and Chase, she even quotes you in one of our videos saying everything is a hypothesis and she's decided to treat her business as such. And I love this idea of something like Instagram or Medium or any of them being a, a breeding ground for experiment. And the cool thing about these platforms is they tend to be pretty personal and perhaps the divide between author and reader is a little bit thinner, which allows you to kind of play around. And I think maybe on the show at some point, either Barrett or Corbett had talked about tweet storms on Twitter. So mm -hmm. doing a bunch of tweets in a string together to kind of be an experiment for working up a bigger concept, whether that's yeah. a post or and uh, you know, an, an email giveaway, whatever the case may be. But I love that idea of testing out your content using your social channels and interacting with your real audience to see, kind of workshop it a little bit. So that's one thing that we didn't totally get into here, but that might be another unique way that your channel, your social channels can play into your website and the blogging can work alongside social media. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, so uh, anything else you guys want to add on this? I'd like to, to do a quick little closeout talking about our, our little discount that we did and, and maybe even some results from it. I don't know. I feel people should know about, about the fact that we did it. Um, and they knew about it because they're listening to the show. But anything else that, that you guys want to add on this before we sort of put a cap on it, a nightcap in it? No, I think the only, well, yes. The only other thing I'll say is Instagram is having a moment. Many other platforms have had their moment. They have passed. Medium is having a moment too, I Medium think. Medium is having a moment for sure. Don't bet all your marbles on somebody else's platform. But there's also like, there's also something in that, right? Like think about like, if you could have invested in Apple right before they had a moment sure, right? sure. and they became a thing. And obviously in 20 more years, maybe Apple isn't a thing. Right. And so, well, it was a bubble, you know, yeah. like, like whatever it's a, it's a 40 year, it's a 40 year bubble or something like that. Right. But there are, there, there's value in, in being in the right place at the right time. Definitely. And yet there is more to there. There literally has to be more to your business than the right time and place for it to sustain and like sustain you over the long haul. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And totally. That was that was my other point. Was just like when there's a moment, use it to your advantage yeah. and understand that they don't always last. Mm -hmm. So build an asset in the meantime. Yeah. yeah. That would be my summary. Exactly. I think Emma mentioned uh, she mentioned something about following outdated advice, and a lot of time you're following advice from people who have a vested interest in that advice paying off like uh, yeah. somebody who's selling a blogging course or a podcasting course or something. Yeah. Of course, they're going to be in favor of doing that. Yet, if you look at those people, a lot of times, uh, you know, they built their early success during a period of time in which the medium they chose was having its moment. Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with using Instagram or whatever the, the flavor of the, the week is 
um, while it's hot. And you just have to be prepared for the the maybe inevitability that that thing will eventually cool off. I mean, Twitter was the hottest thing on the planet just four years ago, and uh, and and now it's cooling off as well. So um, Emma is doing this in the smart way. I think we all fully support her. She is um, not only leveraging Instagram, but also uh, driving people to an email list, building other relationships with them so that she'll be prepared if um, mm. Instagram ever slows down. Yeah, I think this was a great conversation. I love, I loved the, I love, thanks for bringing it up, Emma. Thanks for uh, uh, everybody chiming in in the forums. So that being said, uh, Corbett, tell us uh, how the sale went. We, we did our first ever sale uh, discount, not a sale, discount on a year of membership. Remember the last two episodes we, we talked about it. And it was just something at the beginning of the year that we all just kind of like, screw it, let's do it. And we did it. We put to, put it together in a few days, and we launched it, and and we spent a week promoting the fact that you could get a year of of Fizzle for the cost of seven months um, for this week only for people who wanted to start off 2016, invest in themselves, invest in their business, and and that way we have this nice like group of people to kind of like shepherd through Fizzle for, throughout the rest of the year. And from my perspective, it was it was I loved it. I loved doing it. I my wife was like, you know, what's cool is like I literally never hear you talk about what you do at Fizzle. I could. Like, like never hear you tell the story of it. You guys never talk about it, and so uh, I'm glad we got to do that. And then I hope we didn't we didn't make it, we didn't uh, you know whatever make your ears bleed from talking about it too much. But but Corbett, tell us about uh, how 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 it went. Uh, it was it was tremendous. Um, I think it it uh, absolutely blew all of our expectations out of the water, uh, which was a nice happy surprise. It was just a week long yeah. sale, and um, I don't know exactly how many people signed up, but you know several hundred people signed up during this period, yeah. and uh, I think we would have been happy with fifty or something. So it was a great way for us to kick off the year. It was a great way for the people who took advantage of the sale to um, commit to themselves for the next year to building a yeah. business. And the other thing, the thing that people listening to this should learn from it is just that promotions are powerful. There's a reason that every brand you follow outside of online, uh, every big brand you follow probably does promotions from time to time because they are really powerful and they can be a lot, they can be a great way to get people who are on the fence to finally take action. Um, just make sure that if you do a promotion, you are, uh, you do it sparingly. You don't want to become the, the Macy's necessarily of, of the online world or whatever you do. Um, having to manage promotions, you know, every week. Uh, if you do it sparingly, then it really means something when you do it. And, uh, if you put a time limit on it, then it forces people to really think about it and make a decision during that time period. So I'm glad we did it. And, uh, and I suggest everybody else try some, some special time limited promotions as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was very fun. I liked it. Yeah. It was, I mean, if you think about it, Corbett, I, by the way, this month is my four year anniversary of working with Fizzle. Wow. This month. Th that's what, that's what LinkedIn says at least. And I think I set that date. <clears throat> I think you set that date first based email. on when, uh, when you guys first came to Mexico on a vacation and we started talking about, or maybe right after you got back. I think, yeah. So maybe I was, maybe I was thinking about, uh, but I think it was project X. We called Fizzle project X. Um, and it wasn't, I think it was after designing Think Traffic. Um, yeah. Man, I know, because this is right around the time that I we went to Mexico. Okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. I know that the audience is dying to know. Um, <laughs> They're but, on the edge of their seats. <laughs> but we haven't been able to do a time-based kind of like, hey, get in, in get in, or, or the door's going to shut type of sales since we first launched, basically, when we had our alpha, like 150 people we let in. Yep. Um, and then we did, and so anyways, it, it's cool to, yeah, definitely... You got to imagine people like we don't, we get to, we have to tell you every single month that it's free, $35 a month, free for two weeks, $35 a month once you sign up. Or, or they, we also have a yearly thing that gives you a few months uh, for free that's always available to you. But uh, yeah, it definitely was fun to, to be able to really sell something. Yeah. Um, and uh, that I believe in. And we should also mention, um, as always, we really value our blog listeners and we continue to run a, uh, a special promotion for them, which is you can sign up and get five weeks trial for free. Um, you just head to fizzle.co slash try five. And uh, we do have an ongoing annual promotion. Uh, it's just not as good as the one that we were running. But um, when you get to the sign up page, you'll see that there's an option there. You can choose annual billing or monthly billing. And if you choose the annual option, you end up getting the equivalent of about three months for free. So you pay for nine months yeah. for to get an entire year. Love it. I love I love getting to sell with you guys. I love getting to sell what we made. I think it's the shiitake mushroom, my favorite mushroom of all. Uh, I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves. I've been Corbett 
course, voice bar. I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we will see you there. Or we'll, or we'll see, see you on another time. So there you have it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emma, for bringing up your question to the forum. Uh, your uh, your question's awesome. I love hearing from you. Okay, so Fizzle Show notes on this thing are at fizzleshow.co slash 146. That's where you're going to find all the Instagram feeds that we mentioned, including that adorable cabin dog. The dog in a hot tub is also napping in a sleeping bag. I mean, I, I just about fell out of my chair. I fell out. Also, uh, you will also find there that new guide that, that I made that I'm very proud of and I think you'd really love. The 20 examples of killer unique selling propositions. Really cool businesses highlighted in there. Uh, that's available right there at the Fizzle Show, uh, at the notes of this thing, the show notes. Fizzleshow.co slash 146. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 146. Here's a here's a great uh, iTunes rating. I think I got to read the, um, pretty much the whole thing from uh, Birgit Solvstein in Denmark, who said, "Some people go to church on Sundays. I listen to the Fizzle Show on Fridays. I am also a proud member of the Fizzle community and have experienced nothing less than an online entrepreneurial awakening these last few months. I love the show, but this one on defining your own success—that was episode, I believe, 140—was decidedly awesome." The fear of leaving a traditional career as a psychologist becomes a little less when I remember my own terms of success. Apart from the honest, insane advice shared on the show, the hosts are simply great, Barrett, smart, and at times very spirited when certain points are to be made. Steph, well-spoken and to the point. Corbett, a ton of experience and balanced balance viewpoint. And last but not least, Chase, crazy and wise at the same time. Keep the shows coming, and Merry Christmas. No, Bridget, Merry Christmas to you. It is always Christmas when I get to read a rating like that. Thank you so much for your kind words. You know, our goal, listener here, is to help you make progress on your business every week. We do a show every week. We want to help you make progress every single week. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it kind of helps us to do that because it helps other entrepreneurs to find the show. Um, so could you please leave us a review? If you haven't yet, you can just open up iTunes, open up the, the store, search for Fizzle. You'll see our orange faces there and click write a review. I would love to hear from you and maybe read yours out on the air. Here's an interesting quote I found uh, given the topic today uh, to, end, uh, to end our show today with a bit of a blessing. No, let me try that again. We'll end our show today with a bit of a blessing. Here from Calvin Dillard, who says, The youthful concern about missing out on something gets replaced with the more mature understanding that we are not at the mercy of outside forces and invitations. We're the ones who create our best life experiences. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.